You know, and do you know what I, I don't like about paying for sometimes some types of insurance? You don't know if you're ever going to use it. You know, it's possible to spend thousands of dollars, for instance, on, on health insurance, fire insurance, earthquake insurance, automobile insurance, unemployment insurance, all others, and you never have to file a claim. You know, it's almost like legalized gambling. You know, uh, they'll say, um, I, I got, you, you know, you say, I've got $50 that says I might total my $20,000 car um, this month, and the insurance company says, we'll take that bet. You know? And, and just like that, the, the, the uh, house uh, in Vegas, uh, the insurance company always wins. Uh, the insurance companies are always the one that come out in the head on any deal. Uh, of course, if I knew in advance that I was going to get sick or that my car was going to crash or, or a tornado was going to come and blow off the roof off my house, and if it came to blow the roof off my house, the rest of the house would be gone too where I live. But if that happened, I, I wouldn't mind paying the premiums at all. You know, in fact, I would think that it was the best deal in the world. You know, I'd give the insurance company a few hundred dollars and they pay me uh, $50,000 for my roof or for for my health benefits, and you know, you can't beat that. You know, uh, but needless to say, well, we must have insurance, and I'm not suggesting otherwise. Don't go out here and say that I'm, I'm um, telling you not to buy insurance, but I think everyone has experienced the same frustration of paying premiums to cover something that may not happen. But there is one type of insurance that I think makes perfect sense. I think that life insurance makes perfect sense. You know, I, I have a policy that pays my family X number of dollars when I die. It's nothing for them to get rich off of. It's just enough to take care of me. Uh, but I think you know, there's a certain amount of money that they're going to get when I die. And uh, I'm not going to tell them how much because I don't want them standing around my bed cheering me on. But it's a question of when. It's not a question of if it's going to happen. It's going to happen, isn't it? You know, unless Jesus comes back, there's no question about it. Every one of us is going to die. Even though I have some types of insurance that I might never file a claim against, I can almost certainly uh, that eventually somebody's going to file my life insurance claim. Now, I've, I've never uh, sold life insurance, but what I hear, hear, it's not an easy job. Uh, even though everyone knows that someday they're going to die, they tend to avoid uh, life insurance salesmen, and they tend to put off that decision, and so they become uh, inadequately uh, insured. And I'm sure those who sell life insurance will say that, that most of us are even tragically uninsured, even if we do have a policy right now. And we probably all know families who experience financial hardships uh, because the uh, primary Breadwinner died uninsured, and it's a shame that this ever happens because of the few things that we can be sure of in this world. One of them is we're going to die. Y'all cheered up right now? Okay, uh, all right. You know this is the beginning. To, of course, uh, to sound a little bit like maybe an insurance sales pitch, and and I don't have my insurance license yet. I've had a I've had a friend of mine who who said I needed to get my insurance uh, license to help supplement my income. Um, he's a pastor and he does that and he says, ah, it's pretty easy. He says, I just have a phone and 
They call the phone, the answering machine answers it, and I get around and I call them back eventually. Sounds pretty easy, uh, except for all that other testing that goes along with it and everything to get, to get that, there. But it, it's a lot easier to pay that life insurance premium because I know that eventually it's going to be cashed in. In Matthew 25, Jesus talks about insuring ourselves against another certainty. This is the certainty that someday we're going to see him face to face. Uh, this is not a matter of if. Just like uh, whether I die or not is not if. This is a matter of when. We're all going to face Jesus face to face one of these days. And in chapter 24, Jesus tells us, of course, emphatically that he's coming back. One of the great chapters of the Bible about Jesus' return, setting the, the, the course for us, telling us the events that might occur, letting us know when His return was going to be. But all the whole theme of that chapter is, hey, I'm coming back. And now in, in chapter 25, He tells this parable, uh, and, and He tells it and, and delivers some messages along the way. In, in telling this parable. Now the parable, of course, is just a slap of lies from the first century. Uh, Palestine, weddings were then, as they are now, they're huge occasions filled with ceremony and, and symbolic customs. You know, um, and one such custom was that the bridegroom would come for his bride at an unexpected time, and sometimes it might be in the middle of the night. It was the custom that the maidens would wait with the bride for the bridegroom to arrive, and it was also a law that no one was allowed to walk on the streets, streets after dark unless they had a lamp. And so in order for the maidens to accompany the bride to her wedding, they needed to be prepared for the bridegroom to come at any time. And they needed to be prepared to make that journey to their home. And uh, where that... Where that or to his home, uh, where the, the bridegroom's home, where the wedding would take place. And, and even in the wee hours of the night, it might happen. And so Jesus uses this wedding custom uh, to illustrate the kingdom of God. Let's read these verses here. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and they went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them, but the wise took flask of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. But at midnight there was a cry, Here is the bridegroom, come out to meet him. But at midnight there was a cry, Here is the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps and the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, Since there will not be enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves. While they were going to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went with him to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. And afterwards the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, open to us. But he answered, Truly I say to you, I do not know you. Watch therefore, for you do not know neither the day nor the hour. Now there are three points that I want to uh, point out here 
in this parable. Three things that I want us to get in this parable. There's a lot of things in this parable. But I think there are three very important points for us to take home here this evening. The first is, life is a process of taking care of the details. You know, the difference between the wise virgins and the foolish virgins was very simple. The wise virgins brought oil for their lamps and the foolish ones didn't. You know, it wasn't because they didn't have the money to buy it. It wasn't because the oil wasn't available to purchase. They just didn't do it. A seemingly small detail, but it becomes significant in its consequences. And here's a modern-day ver version of that uh, parable, and, and it's true. A man by the name of Jack was, was several hours late for his wedding and almost missed out completely on getting married because he let a couple of the details slip through the cracks. Now here's how it happened. Several months prior to his wedding day, his automobile license plate came up for renewal and he forgot to pay for it. The renewal was only about $30, but he just never got around to taking care of it. And so the, the, the tag expired and eventually he got stopped and he got ticketed. The ticket for driving with an expired tag was about $50. But guess what? He never got around to paying for it. Well, when the DMV was informed that Jack had defaulted on a traffic ticket, they revoked his license and sent him a letter informing him of this. But guess what? Jack had moved a few months earlier, and he, ne and he never sent in a change of address, so he didn't get the notice. Now it's the day of the wedding. He's on his way to the church, and he gets into a little fender bender. And as the officer writes the accident report, he runs a check on Jack's driver's license and discovers that it has been suspended. So Jack is arrested and he's taken to jail. And Jack kept saying, but it's my wedding day, can't you just let me off the hook? And the officer said, that's a likely excuse. Uh, maybe the, the cops were, were just a little mischievous about this, but after they booked him, they fingerprinted him, they strip searched him, they let him sit in a jail cell for three hours before he was allowed to make a phone call. And by then, everyone at the wedding was in a panic. You can imagine what they were thinking. And he was finally able to get in touch with someone who was able to help secure his release. And, and then he made it to the wedding. But needless to say, he got off to a great start with his in-laws. A PS to this story is that since his license was expired, the insurance company wouldn't cover the accident claim, and he had to pay that out of his pocket. Oh, here's, a, here's an even stranger part of, of this story today. He's an insurance salesman. But do you see how neglecting one seemingly minor detail, an expense here of just a few dollars, created a domino effect that resulted in all kinds of trouble then for Jack? You know, not very many people are so careless in that area of their lives, but I'll tell you what I see. I see many people who are more careless in the areas of greater importance, like their families and like their marriage and like their spiritual life. You know, I've also known many people who spent their entire lives 
working toward success and building wealth and accumulating things. They got a yard full of things. And they've never given serious thought to thought then to the things of eternal value. Life is a process of taking care of the details. You know, we, there's people who are good at balancing their checkbooks, uh, getting their yard mowed. Uh, they're, they're good at getting their laundry done. They're good at getting to work on time, paying their bills. They're good about taking care of all sorts of mundane things in their lives. But there are more important details that need to be attended to. And we need to realize that there are many areas of life that are, are not a question of if. It's just a question of when. You know, and we cannot let these details then slip through the cracks. Don't let the important things slide. You know, your relationship with God matters more than anything else in the world. Uh, tend to it. Devote time each day to pursuing a closer relationship with Him. Uh, this is why I'm constantly challenging people about daily prayer and daily Bible reading to make it a priority in their life. You know, it's how you keep the lamp of your spiritual life burning even through the darkest nights. You know, life is a process of paying attention to the details. Don't let the most important ones slip to the cracks. Now the second truth that I want us to look at is you are responsible for you. You are responsible for you. Now pay attention to this. He's ready to go back to these verses here. Six through nine. At midnight the cry rang out. Here's the bridegroom. Come out to meet him. Then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise, Give us some of your oil. Our lamps are going out. No, they replied, There may not be enough for both of us and you. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. Now this reminds me of a sign that I had over my office door for a number of years. And I, it, it may have bothered some people, may have rubbed them the wrong way. But it was an important message. It said, lack of preparation on your part does not constitute an emergency on mine. Lack of preparation on your part does not constitute an emergency on my part. Have you ever been in that kind of situation where, where someone neglected to do something, they got themselves in a jam, and expected you to bend over backwards to get them out of it? I've been in that situation. I've been on both sides of that situation. I'm glad for those who help me when I can, but I am truly grateful when others help me out of the jams that I got myself into. But we must remember there are some things that no one can do for you. There are some decisions that no one can make for you. We have to realize that when it comes to our eternal destiny, you are responsible for you, and I am responsible for me. And sometimes we have a tendency to say, do you know the, uh, whose fault it is that I missed the wedding? 
It's the fault of the maidens who had the arbor and shared with me. If they hadn't been so selfish, I would have made it. But it's not really their fault, is it? The five wise maidens weren't being selfish. They were being responsible. And it is wrong for us to place the blame for our mistakes on other people. No one will be able, pay attention here, no one will be able to stand before the throne and say, it's not my fault that I didn't follow Jesus. My parents didn't take me to church. Or the other thing, I didn't go because my parents forced me to go to church. Or the preacher never came to visit me. Or the hypocrite got in my way. Those excuses just won't fly. He won't say, all right, that's, that's the best excuse I heard today. Come on in. It ain't going to happen. You can't blame your bad choices on someone else. You are responsible for you. Take responsibility for your life. Now, the third truth I want to point out in this parable is this. There's such a thing as too late. Now, if we listen to this story and how Jesus finishes this story in those last verses that I uh, read there at the end. But while they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. And later the others also came. Sir, sir, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, I tell you the truth, I don't know you. Therefore keep watch, because you do not know the day or the hour. Now there is a frequent theme in my preaching, and that frequent pre uh, theme is that God is the God of the second chance. And the third chance, and the fourth chance, and the fifth chance. Uh, he forgives us again and again and again. You know, and even when we're too stubborn and we're too hard-hearted to ask for forgiveness, He waits patiently, patiently for us to come back to Him like the prodigal uh, son's father. You know, and, and, he, and where He received Him with open arms. God is so merciful, more than we could ever deserve. But... Everyone who is resisting God's call on their life needs to realize this. There comes a time when you wait too long. When you can run too far. And it becomes too late. If you're holding back from giving your life to God right now, I want to make something clear. In 20 years, if Christ hasn't come, if you're still resisting Him and you decide at that point to come home to Him, He will receive you. But we're not guaranteed 20 years. We're not even guaranteed tomorrow. The bridegroom could come at any time. You could die at any time. And at that point, you reach the point of too late. The book of Hebrews says this. 
Just as man is destined to die once and after that to face judgment, so Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of any people. And he will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. There will be a time of judgment. For some people, the sad, sad truth is that they will have waited until it is too late. And it doesn't have to be that way. In fact, God doesn't want it to be that way. The Bible says this in Second Peter. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. I want to speak for just a moment to those of you who have never given your life to Jesus Christ. He's given you an invitation to the wedding. He's given you an invitation to eternity. Today is your day to take care of the very important details of your life. Life is a process of taking care of the details and this is the most important one. Today is your chance to take responsibility for your decisions. You are responsible for you. You are the one who has to face the consequences of your decision. Today is your chance to enter God's kingdom before it's too late. The sad truth is that there is such a thing as too late. But today, it's not too late. You can accept his offer for forgiveness today and you can experience new life with him. We'll give you that opportunity as we sing the last song here this evening. There's somebody ready to make that decision right here this evening. Now, I want to also speak to those who are already followers of Jesus. This parable is about you, too. It's not just about getting into the kingdom. It's also about living the Christian life to the fullest right now. We need to make sure that we are tending to the most important details of our daily lives, growing closer to God, building stronger relationships with our family, serving Him in a meaningful way. We need to make sure that we are taking responsibility for our actions and our decisions and not shifting blame to others for the things that are lacking in our lives. And we need to acknowledge that our time here is limited. And if we're not giving ourselves to his service every day, we're missing out.
and what he could accomplish through us. This is the challenge for all of us. Let's take care of the details. Let's take responsibility for ourselves. And let's do it before it's too late.